Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we tackle some more of your voicemails. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate this offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. I will apologize in advance for my audio quality because I'm calling in from my phone because Spectrum is the worst internet company ever and I've been without internet all day long. Reach it. Spectrum is the worst. Promise me a megabytes no and all that stuff. And I get like seven. I was better off with ATT. And then they raised my bill for no apparent reason, like 35 bucks a month. No lies detected, not slander if it's fact. This episode is brought to you by Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No free ads, but I don't think it's an ad when we're bashing them for being terrible. But yeah, David, we have some voicemails to tackle and uh, yeah, plenty, plenty to talk about regarding the Bucks and, and our listeners have questions and we have answers. Why don't we go ahead and dive right in? Hey guys, Joe from Ocala. Great episode, uh, which was today, Tuesday's the one that came out today, Tuesday's episode. Great episode. I love both of the opinions back and forth and so I love this podcast so much because I, even I am a Jameis supporter and but both arguments from both of you just make so much sense, and I just love that about it. But anyways, I always listen to the oppo- the opponent that we're facing. I always listen to their Locked On podcast, and the, yesterday's episode for the Texans said they're not worried. One of them said they're not worried. One of them said that you can't overlook this team, and then one said, I'm not worried about the Bucks and I'm not worried about Jameis Winston, which makes me want to win even more. <laughs> so hopefully Jameis can go out there and just – destroy him with no receivers but um my question today is uh, what uh, rich john came up with and what sometimes i wonder if he's even a bucks fan i don't know but i do listen to his podcast but he said today that um the travel might have something to do with the hammies and and you know the you know with the dehydration and the miles and I keep going back to this. It, 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 this part of this, right now, I'm aggravated about the travel because I don't care what anybody says. You know, they're professionals. They got to get through it. No team in NFL history has ever traveled as many miles as the Bucks did this year. The NFL came out and said that they were wrong for what they did, and I just, you know, it just stinks that these guys had to go through this, even though they went five and three. 
see what your thoughts are. If you think the travel had anything to do with, um, you know, all these injuries and, you know, you know, what if we did make the playoffs this year and we lost Chris and, and Mike and, you know, Scotty, you know, man, how, how bad would that stink? Anyways, go Zox. Zox doing a great job. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Um, in my personal opinion, and I have no medical information to back this up. I don't think the travel has anything to do with the hamstrings. What I think it may boil down to, and it was something that Bruce Arians had had talked about. I can't remember if it was at uh, one of his, his press conferences with the media availability or something, but he talked about how during practice, there's no organized team stretching. He said, you know, the players know that they need to do it and they're not doing it on my blank in time. You know, his time is supposed to be used for practice. So maybe some of these guys are kind of slacking a little bit on their on their stretching uh, just because it's not orchestrated by the team. It's supposed to be an individual thing. You come out, you do your own stretching, and then when practice is supposed to begin, practice begins. And maybe that has worn on them a little bit. Again, I could be wrong, I, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that – that the travel situation for this season was ridiculous and unfair. And, and the NFL came out and they implemented a rule that what happened to the Buccaneers this year won't ever happen to another team again. And that goes back, David, to when we when we talked about the schedule release and we talked about how, yeah, how can you allow this to happen and come out and say, you know what, it's, it's terrible that this happened. I'm rooting for the Buccaneers through the month of October because they really got dealt a bad hand. It's like, well, you knew that. You already knew that, and you let the schedule go out this way anyway. It was ridiculous. It was inexcusable. Um, but I think some of this may boil down to the players not doing everything that they are supposed to be doing uh, because because Bruce doesn't believe in doing the, the organized team stretching. Again, my personal opinion, I could be a billion percent wrong, but that seems to make the most sense to me. Yeah, I don't I don't have any idea on how much uh traveling, you know, flying and stuff like that would or would not hinder someone's ability, somebody's ability to heal and recover, especially hamstrings. I just know that, you know, when you're talking about wide receivers, I mean, if if their hands are the most important parts of their body, their hamstrings are the second most important important parts of their body. It's the thing that they use uh the most, you know, outside of their hands um to to do their job. So I mean, when when you when you identify what injury is a wide receiver most likely to have, I think you got, uh, you know, broken fingers. We see all the veterans with you know the sideways pinkies and everything, uh, torn hamstrings, torn ACLs, and concussions. I think those are kind of your your top, you know, areas of of injury for a wide receiver. So it's it's not so much that it's a surprise that, that the injuries themselves are happening. Um, what the surprise is that they're happening in such quick succession and all at once the way that they are. I think that's honestly, I think it's more just a fluke thing, just bad luck, you know, from more than anything. Um, but again, you know, I, I can see the logic behind, you know, sitting on cross country flights when you're a professional athlete. I mean, these guys, like everybody says, they, they go through the equivalent of like a car accident or two car accidents every single game. So, you know, if you get into a, a really bad car accident, you're not going to go play intramural football that next weekend, let alone professional football. So every minute they have to recover is obviously important. Um, at the same time, you know, I don't know if there's things, um, you got hot and cold packs, like on flights, you know what I mean? Break out the hot and cold packs and sit on one for a while, sit on the other for a while. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I won't discount it because I could see kind of how the logic could connect those dots. But like James said, I don't have any 
medical background or enough medical background to be able to say anything like that. The only real problem I have with this voicemail is um, is Joe giving any credence to what you said about the James Winston situation. I think that's crap. That's hurtful. I'm just saying. I think I'm 100% right and you're 100% wrong. And Joe, we, we need to stand united against the James haters of the world. I'm not a Jameis hater. Good grief. <laughs> is this is this because I took a shot at the Buckeyes on the crossover episode? Mm, no, I'm over that. Um, I will say, though, as far as Rick Stroud being a Bucks fan, I mean, he's no, he's not. He's not a Bucks fan. And there's uh, it's, you know, the thing about media members, right, is I would hope that every media member. I mean, again, you don't know the motivation for everybody and why they got into the line of work they got into. But I would hope that if you got into sports journalism, you did so because you love sports or you at least enjoy sports. And I would imagine as a professional who does this job for decades and decades, I mean, I've only been doing it for five years and I'm not even doing it full time, doing it part time for websites and and all this other stuff. So, you know, I'm not even as time invested as as Rick is just because of my situation. But I would I know it's more fun to cover a winning football team than it is a losing football team. So I would hope that Rick. You know, if if any if he's not a Bucks fan, would be a fan of covering good news stories instead of bad news stories, and would want the Buccaneers to do well because of that. So I don't know. Um, just full disclosure, I don't listen to his podcast, so I don't know what you're referring to when you say you know maybe he's not a Bucks fan because I don't listen to his show. But I will tell you that you know he's he's probably not a Bucks fan in that term. I mean, a lot of media people like to say they're not fans at all, and I get that from a standpoint. But if you're not a fan of football. I can't imagine you would get into football. Like, I mean, nobody forces you into sports journalism. So, you know, you got to be a fan of something uh, to to begin with, and that never goes away. I don't care who you are. Um, but I don't. But just that that part kind of caught me, so I just wanted to throw my two cents in there. Yeah, yeah, and I can say, you know, from doing this as as long as I have, I'm not a fan the way I used to be a fan. You know, I used to be yell and scream and cheer and and all that and anymore i watch football so differently than i used to because of what we do i watch it with a more careful eye i watch it with a more critical eye or analytical eye however you want to phrase it and you know i'm not jumping up and down and screaming in my in my living room anymore i'm not so angry that i i throw a chair against the wall or or something like that um you know, it's I I'm I watch the play, I tweet the play, I put my head back up to watch the next play, and that's how I that's how I soak it in. And it, it's it's a very different experience. I'm not a I'm not a Buccaneers fan the way that I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan or a Boston Red Sox fan. I'm you know I I want the team to win, I want the team to succeed, I want them to make all the right moves. I get excited about things, but I don't. I, I'm not the fan that I used to be. And there's something about doing this, writing about it, talking about it, trying to be unbiased that changes the way that you view things. So even if Rick was a Buccaneers fan, which I don't think he ever was, um, as long as he's been doing this, his his view of the game is going to change regardless, just because it has to. You can't go into into these games and into these practices and off seasons and all that the way that that you used to when when you were just you know taking it all in as a fan we have to be much more critical and much more aware 
of of things going on. So, um, yeah, I but but yeah, David, I agree with you. I, you know, I I'm sure he's a fan of something because you don't get into this business, you know, if you're if you're not a fan. But yeah, I I can say with certainty that Rick Stroud is not a Buccaneer fan. Yes, sir. So with that, David, let's move on to voicemail number dose. Hey, this is Tony in Orlando. A um, couple of points I wanted to make. As far as Jameis is concerned, I tend to try with James on this one. The number of bad decisions, picks that he throws is way too high. I think it's been a number of picks that were great plays by the defense or poor routes by receivers. The number of picks on Jameis is way too high for fifth-year QB. And how many of those picks, I mean, I'm thinking about cost us close games this year. Um, the other point I wanted to make concerns the running game that's in effect, and as David mentioned, he pins the blame on the O-line. James, I believe you blame both. But first of all, we know that Barber's an average, below average back. If you look at his stats, I think he's 3.6 average with different schemes, different O-line, et cetera. So you know what you have in him. Jones on the hand seems like an impatient runner at times. I wonder what you guys are seeing from these two backs. And uh, what specifically is the O-line doing long, or is the scheme not fitting the players offensively? I'm talking about the line specific. The, deep, the DBs, I think, are developing nicely. Uh, the linebackers, I think, are set. But who is a veteran would you like to, the Bucks to go after to solidify the defensive back? Well, someone like a Chris Harris or James Bradbury or, or uh, Clinton Dix, who I know is from Orlando, and if you've got particular fishes in the same lake I do, and I know he'd love to come back to Florida. Uh, so I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Um, that's about it. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much for the call, and thank you for being on the right side of this debate. You know, we're we're two for two on these voicemails, uh, basically talking about what what a genius I am. See, see, Joe, this is this is why you can't give him any credit, <laughs> because when you try to be like a realistic person, say there's merit to your <laughs> argument, but there's also merit to mine. This is what happens. This this is what what James does with us. This is why you have to stand. You have to stand strong because you can't you can't feed him. You can't feed you can't feed the monster. Honestly, I wouldn't have even brought that up had you not taken a shot at me uh, following Joe's call. Oh, I know you wouldn't have. I disagree with Tony for disagreeing with me. Um, no, uh, so so Jameis definitely makes. Bad decisions, yes, and oh yeah, he he has made too many bad decisions in his career. I will agree, and and listen, nobody wants to hear this, okay? But there's credence to the fact that this is the first year Bruce Arians has had his hands on James Winston. This is the first year that Byron Leftwich has been James Winston's offensive coordinator, and that matters. Like as much as as. People want to look at as much and believe me, I've done it too. As much as we all want to look at the entire body of work over the last five years of Jameis Winston, you cannot extrapolate. You cannot make an accurate assessment of what Jameis Winston could be moving forward. I mean, there's no way to get a 100% assessment that's going to be accurate anyway, no matter what. But the more you try to throw in, well, this is what happened under Lovey and Dirk. And this is what happened under Dirk and... Wow, I totally forgot his name. The other guy, the offense coordinator. Uh, oh, 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 God. He's in Cleveland. Munkin. Running, Munkin. Running, Munkin. Yeah, Munkin. There you go. When you when you sit back and say, well, this is what Jameis did against Lovey and Dirk, and then this is what Jameis did against Dirk and Munkin. Now this is what he's doing under Bruce and Byron. They're not the same things. Um, so you can't 
you can't take those into into effect when you're when you're assessing the potential of this player in the future because he's he's learning to look at the field in a different way under this coaching staff. He's learning to look at the offensive scheme in a different way under this coaching staff. He's learning to throw the ball in a different way under this coach. Like, I mean, just as simple as as something as Jameis Winston throws an interception last year, and as he's walking off the field, his head coach is yelling at him on the field, you can't do that. And I get frustration. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not I, I don't want to don't take that as me like boo-hooing, you know, booing dirt cutter. I get frustration. The man's life livelihood is on the line. You know, I get it. But when you do that, and this is where leadership relationships come in, when you do that to your quarterback, you've taken all the power away from him. Like your offensive line is literally going out there absorbing punishment from 300 plus pound men on a snap by snap basis, taking on full sprinting linebackers in their face on a snap by snap basis for that guy. So when you're out there on the field and you're screaming at this dude uh, in front of everybody, you're undermining that offensive line's motivation to protect him. Wide receivers, they're going out there, they're running across the field. They're not looking at the defenders. They're not looking at the field. They're looking at the quarterback. They're looking at the ball. They're trusting that quarterback to put them in a good position. When you do that, you undermine that confidence, and it builds. And then when you do that, the, def- the defense hears them too. And when you do that, those guys go to the sideline, and they're over there laughing. Ah, Dirk's over there chewing out Jameis. That helps them. Like, so again, I understand frustration, and I get it. And none of us are perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say, ah, I would never do anything like that. But when you do something like that as a head coach, those are the second and third order effects of what you're doing. When Jameis Winston goes out there, on the occasion, he makes a, a, a just a bad interception. And I will say that I haven't seen a bad interception from Jameis Winston in about four weeks now. We've seen interceptions, okay, but we haven't seen the quote-unquote stupid Jameis interception in about four weeks now. I... I, I can't go snap by snap right now, but I would assess it's, I would assume it's about four weeks, right? When that mm, happens, I, I don't know that that first one against uh, Darius Leonard. Yeah, no. So so here's the thing: that's not a stupid Jameis turnover. That's a bad. That's a bad read. I think it's a bad read. I think it's a bad read because that could, yeah, and I know Bruce Arians right came out and said that Mike ran that route a little bit flat. I don't think Mike ran the route a little bit flat. To be honest with you, I think Darius Leonard got deeper than than. Normally, you would expect him to, but that's why he's Darius Leonard. The safety didn't go as deep as normally you would expect him to go, and the cornerback didn't bite on the swing pass the way you would expect him to. I think Jameis Winston was trying to throw it into a triangle that was tighter than he should have tried to throw it. So it was a bad read. I'll give you that. But if you're wanting a quarterback who doesn't make a bad read, um, you can't have a quarterback because there's not a quarterback in the history of this game that is not going to make a bad read. Okay. Now, if you want to say he makes bad reads too much, all right, maybe we we can talk about that. But again, that's where we come back to. This is his first time reading this offense in this scheme against these defenses because this is the first time he's seeing defenses attack this offensive scheme this way is this season. These defenses he's facing, even the Falcons defense, even the Saints defense, even the Panthers defense, those defensive coordinators are attacking him in a different way than they have before because he's running a new offense. All those things are different. All those things matter. So when we talk about the stupid Jameis interceptions, like we've already been over the the great plays that these two linebackers made, Darius Leonard being one of them, and then the other guy from Detroit. Um, those are all pro-level type of plays, singular plays. 
Darius Leonard makes him a lot. That other kid, like he, that's probably going to be his career shining moment, to be honest with you, which is great for him. Kudos to him. But don't mistake those as just stupid throws and stupid plays. They're really good defensive plays. And then we have the conversation of, well, but he's a fifth-year quarterback. Okay, I got it. He's a fifth-year quarterback. But if you are a fifth-year math student and for four years you've had a, a, a teacher that will only teach you simple algebra, and now I give you a teacher in your fifth year who is going to teach you trigonometry, is it fair for me then to sit there and look at you while you're developing your skills and struggling here and there and having to learn new things and look at you and say, but you've been mathing for five years. <laughs> it's not. And, and, and that, 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 that example is not, you know, it, that's not as drastic. Like, like it's not the difference between algebra and, and trigonometry. I mean, I, I assume, I, I mean, I've, I've honestly never been in dirt cutter system. I've never been in Bruce Arians system, but at some point, there, there's a there's a limit to where to how different football schemes can really be at the end of the day because football is still football. You have 11 people, you've got a, a you know a hundred by 50 yard field and so on and so forth. Like there's only so many things that you can really be different on, but it's still you still have to understand that the Jameis Winston who learned how to quarterback for the last four years is now learning how to quarterback all over again this year in a new light, and what we're seeing is we're seeing improvement. Um, James, I sent some numbers. I don't have them in front of me. I sent some numbers to the group because honestly, I don't know why. Like, I just kind of sat there and started collecting numbers, and I ended up with these this batch of numbers. I really didn't know, you know, how to make heads or tails of it, so I sent it to everybody. And I didn't even premise it. I just sent the numbers, and I was like, "Let me see if some because we got some analytical guys in our group. Let me see if somebody takes these numbers and goes, oh, so it looks like this.' Because then I'd be like, "Okay, that's what these numbers mean." Nobody responded. Nobody bit on them. So I don't know if any, you know everybody's just waiting on me to say what I thought they meant. But I've kind of been mulling them over. And I will tell you, and and Tony, give me give me a second before you react. Jameis Winston's interception to pass attempt ratio has actually gone up in the in the in the second half of the season. I mean, he's throwing interceptions at a faster rate. You know, he's 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 throwing more interceptions per pass attempt than he was in the first part of the season. But, and this is where we're this is what I'm talking about. The types of interceptions that are getting thrown are different. The types of interceptions that are being thrown now are really good plays by defenses. The types of interceptions that were being thrown in the beginning of the season were misreads by Jameis, not in the sense of, is that defender, can I beat that defender, in the sense of, oh, I thought we were doing this, not the other thing. Not in the sense of, we're not seeing the Mike Evans cutting off his route too early. We're not seeing the Chris Godwin running the wrong route. We're not seeing the Mike Evans not picking up the hot reads. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the ways these turnovers was happening were happening in the first eight weeks of the season or eight games of the season versus the way they're happening now are different. And again, you talk about the progression of a team. This team had what we've seen is this team is learning and this quarterback is learning how to not give the ball away. Now defenses are having to take the ball away and they're doing it. So now what this offense is going to learn how to do is to is to anticipate and defeat what those defenses are doing to take the ball away. That's the next step in the progression. But before you can get to that step, you got to get to the step they're at now where they're not, they're no longer beating themselves. And now with Mike and most likely Chris out, we'll see if that continues. But that's, that's where the numbers are one thing, but then watching the game with the analytical eye, the critical eye, right? Those are the different things. 
the Jameis Winston we're seeing these last six, seven weeks is a different type of Jameis Winston than the one where we've seen in the beginning. If this type of Jameis Winston continues, then this coaching staff, then the mental side of the game, then the game planning side of the game, then the schematic side of the game can catch up to where his ability is and put him in position to where he's not making these turnovers. That's what we've got to start seeing towards the end of this year and into next year. Finished. That was a lot, but it was a lot of good. And uh, so do you want to talk about the running game? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that real quick. I know we still have some more voicemails to get to. Look, when I, when I watch Rojo, when I watch Peyton Barber, I see two serviceable backs. I see some upside with Ronald Jones. I think with Peyton Barber, what we've gotten is what we're going to get. I don't see any more upside out of him as far as as his abilities you know yeah he can break out some bigger runs yeah he can have some big games but i don't i don't see him as a running back changing or evolving much more than what we see with ronald jones we've already started to see the evolution of his game we started to see him become a little bit more of a threat as a pass catching back that was not a, a, a part of his game his rookie year whether or not that was on Dirk Cutter for not playing him or not developing that part of his game, I don't know. But I still think that Ronald Jones can improve in a few areas as far as you know his his continued improvement in the pass catching game, his continued improvement of being able to fight and get those tough yards like we've seen in spurts this season. What I don't see out of either of these guys is one of those game-changing dynamic backs. And that's not to say that the Buccaneers necessarily need one of those. But what you have in in Rojo and Barber, you can improve. And I realize the hot topic this offseason is going to be you have David Johnson unhappy in Arizona. He's not getting the ball. He's not getting the playing time. He's not getting the stats that he did back when he was coached by Bruce Arians. The Buccaneers should go get him, yada, yada, yada. If they get David Johnson great. Do they need David Johnson? No. They really probably don't. I think this running game, especially once you you fortify the offensive line, and by fortify the offensive line, I mean replace DeMar Dotson because of his age, not because of anything personal. I like DeMar Dotson. I, I hold a special place in my heart for a man who has been with the Buccaneers as long as he has and has suffered through some of the god-awful seasons that he has. But you're going to see some improvement once you replace DeMar Dotson, whether that's in free agency or the draft. And this offensive line continues to improve because going back to exactly what what David was just talking about with Jameis Winston, this offensive line is learning this entirely new offense at the same time. And, and yeah, I realize it's easy to say, Oh, well, you know, hit the guy in front of you and don't let Jameis get hit. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. They have to learn, you know, particular assignments. They have to learn, you know, where they're opening up the holes for the running backs. All of this is a process. And and we talked about it. We kind of warned people during the offseason. Yes, Bruce Arians is a great head coach. and We're excited to have him. But there's a learning curve. Bruce Arians came out and said himself, my offense comes with a learning curve, and that's not just for the quarterback. It's for everybody involved. There's a reason the Buccaneers are putting up as many points as they are this late in the season. It's because they're all finally getting it. They're not making the same mistakes they were making earlier in the season. 
that cost them games against the Giants or against the 49ers or these these little these little losses that they had where it was like, well, you know, they shouldn't have blown the game against the Giants. They beat themselves against the Niners. Well, that's, that cost you a, a postseason berth now. You are no longer going to the postseason because of these little mistakes early in the year. But I say all that to say this. I don't, again, I don't expect Peyton Barber to become much more than what we've already seen. I do expect continued improvement out of Ronald Jones. I do believe that the Bucks have a decent enough running back core to be effective in games. And I think that's a big key to beating the Houston Texans this weekend. Am I fine if Rojo and Barber are the committee heading into the 2020 season? Absolutely. Am I okay if they go out and they make a splash move to get David Johnson or they draft a running back on day two to come in and be and be that guy? Sure. Absolutely. What it all boils down to is the fact that the Buccaneers run game, although not stellar, the players that they have now can help them succeed in 2020 and beyond. And I think we're going to get more improvement out of Ronald Jones, the more opportunity he gets. Yeah, I think it's important for everybody to remember the, the Buccaneers are about 10 to 15 yards per game off pace of being middle of the pack in the running game. So uh, it's it's they're they're not as far off as everybody thinks. Uh, well, not everybody, but some people might think they are. Uh, Peyton is not a below average running back. I'd say he's a solid running back, which is football talk for average. Um He's he's definitely not below average. Below average to me would be a guy who uh, consistently gets tackled for a loss and and has a fumble problem. That's a below average guy. An average guy is a guy who can secure the ball and get you a yard or two, which Peyton's capable of doing. And like you said, James, I wouldn't say the offensive line is actually doing anything wrong. Um, I just think this offensive line is better suited at pass protection than they are at run blocking. Uh, it's just it's just who they are. Now again, if you get a right tackle. There are a couple right tackles or guys that look like NFL right tackles coming up in the draft who have run blocking as a strength and pass blocking as an, an, an adequacy. Like they're good at it. They're just not great, but they're great at run blocking. That's a guy that you bring in that might be able to help your run game and it might not degrade your pass protection to the point where, you know, James is not running for his life. Um, but I mean, once, but once the Buccaneers, you know, uh, again, it's it's kind of that what have you done for me lately thing that we all fall victim to. Ronald Jones has produced like a thousand percent better this year than he did last year. But still here we are week 16 and we've got, you know, some people are saying, well, Ronald Jones isn't doing enough. Uh, Ronald Jones has done a lot from last year to this year. Ronald Jones has done a lot. Like, I don't know if you can pick a player who has had such a growth. Uh, in from one season to the next than Ronald Jones has. Now, the problem is he started so far stinking back that it's still not great. But if he it was able to make this kind of a leap from year one to year two, it shows you a little bit, one, about his work ethic, two, about his ability as a football player. So if he takes that work ethic and that ability as a football player into this offseason, then imagine what he can do next year. And I'm not saying he's going to be an all-pro. I'm not saying he's going to lead the league in rushing. But if he continues to be able to improve and continues to be able to make additions to his game, then once he comes back and the Buccaneers draft J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, then you're going to see a better run attack in 2020. And then as far as veterans, I love HaHa Clinton Dix. He's going to cost a lot of money. I don't know if the Bucs will throw that much money at him, but I would love to see it. 
Um, Chris Harris, I'm not as 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 warm on, and James Bradbury, I've never really been all that high on, to be honest with you. I know I'm in the minority there, but um, there, I'm sure there's some other veterans. Pat P is a guy who's everybody everybody's going to talk about, of course, uh, this offseason. Oh, yeah. But I would love this team. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like this team and, and Brent and Ren on the Petercast kind of started talking about this a little bit too. Like I'm the more and more we see, the more and more we get. This weekend's going to be big for the secondary, but the more and more we see from these young guys. I'm actually to the point where I'm okay going into 2020, as much as it matters. I'm okay going into 2020 with the current secondary, with the current cornerback group. Jordan White had a strong safety. They need a free safety. Andrew Adams has some good talent. I like him. Mike Edwards has some good talent. I like him. But neither of them is, right now, is a starting free safety. And that's evident by the fact that the Buccaneers rotate them. They wouldn't be rotating them if they thought one of them was a quote-unquote starter. They're starting somebody, granted, but they're rotating them for a reason. They need a guy who can come do both. I have an idea of who that guy could be in the draft. I know oh already God, some what, people what don't like him. What Buckeye are you picking? We're not, it's not even a Buckeye. We're not even going to talk about that right now. All but right. Ha Ha Clint Dix would be great. Uh, if that could happen, that would be great. But with all the other money they're going to be throwing around, I don't know that it's a possibility. All right, and the last thing I'll say about the run game, uh, you know, you mentioned how close they are to being – the middle of the pack as far as the rushing game. Don't forget that there were definitely two, maybe three, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least two games where Byron Leftwich completely abandoned the run. We had single-digit yeah. rushing attempts by the starting running backs. That's going to hurt your average. That's not on the backs. That's on the poor play calling, and we've seen that improve for Byron Leftwich down the stretch. So something to think about. Point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just something to think about when you're when you're looking at the running backs overall numbers this year. You know, go back and, and you look at at some of the games where they fell behind early and just completely abandoned the run. Uh, you know, the, you you run the ball twenty times in those games, your average is probably up in that middle of the pack because they would have gotten those those ten to fifteen yards easily with uh you know more than double the rushing attempts. But David, let's go ahead and jump over to the next voicemail. Hey guys, it's Leighton in Tampa Tuesday night after the Pro Bowl news is broken. Great for Shaquille, Chris and Mike. Um excited for them. Especially, I guess, excited for both Shaquille and Chris since um, that's their first. And maybe we'll even get Matt Gay if um, the Saints go to the Super Bowl because, again, their kicker would not be able to go. And supposedly Matt Gay is second in voting, which is, again, awesome. So maybe some more alternates to come. So looking forward to it. Go Bucks and have a good one, guys. Layton, thank you very much for the call, buddy. Always appreciate it. And, uh, you know, David, speaking of breaking news, I realize that this isn't Buccaneers related, but just thought you would find it interesting if you haven't seen already, as we've been recording, Tom Coughlin fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a smart move. No longer the vice president of football operations. Coughlin is out, and he'll probably ride off in the sunset. That guy's like 804 years old. Um, as far as the Pro Bowl is concerned, yeah, it was great to see Evans and Godwin and, and Shaq get the love and the um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The reward that they are are deserving of of being elected to the Pro Bowl. I find it a little disappointing that Mike and Chris were not named starters. Those went to Michael Thomas and Julio Jones. Uh, I can understand Michael Thomas, but I would say Chris Godwin and Mike Evans had better seasons than Julio Jones. Just, just my take. But I, I think the numbers would would back that up. And, and David, the top five receivers in the NFL are all in the NFC South. Is in, in that isn't that correct? Or was it the top five in the NFC? Somebody shared it in the group. Yeah, all five uh, Pro Bowl wide receivers came from the NFC South. Okay, so it was the Pro Bowl wide receivers because it was uh, was it DJ Moore from Carolina? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's there's going to be some changes. I don't think Mike or Chris play in this game. Uh, I do think that there's going to be some some Buccaneers alternates that are that are put in, uh, and it, it's maddening to me, just absolutely maddening, how Levante David still cannot get in a Pro Bowl. Like it's unreal that this guy just cannot get in a Pro Bowl. Why? Why? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, uh, honestly, I don't know who was talking about it today. I, I heard somebody talking about it today, and I agreed uh, and greatly with their – it might have nah, – no, nah, I don't want to say it. Um, I mean, essentially, honestly, this year, like, he's had more of an impact, I think, in the teaching, mentoring, and leading aspect of the game than he has the actual – execution of the game i mean he doesn't have a whole lot of splash plays i know he's got some good stats don't get me wrong but as far as you know splash plays and highlight worthy plays and, and all that stuff he just he hasn't really been getting a lot of them this year and, and a lot of that is because you know he's 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 got we've got guys like you know devin white's you know uh getting interceptions and taking taking fumble returns back for touchdowns and then in post-game interviews is talking about how levante helped him to see this and how levante showed him that and and so on and so forth. So Levante Davis is having a massive impact on the Buccaneers. But when you look at the national stage and and what the national media is going to pay attention to, he's not getting those those attention-grabbing plays that uh, you, you got to get to get the attention of your, your fellow players and coaches, unfortunately. Um, I'm not saying I agree with it necessarily, you know, but at the same time, I mean, every, you know, every, every core media group, every fan base, you know, the guys that they cover, you know, that are, that are doing well, I mean, I saw someone today talking about how the San Francisco 49ers could have easily had eight or nine Pro Bowlers. I'm just like, okay, got it, dude. Like, I know they're doing well, but come on. Like, get, just just get out of here with that crap. Wasn't um, it the Ravens that ended up with seven or eight of them? Yeah, the Ravens had a whole bunch. You know, I don't honestly even know how much of that. I mean, I haven't dissected it or anything like that. But honestly, I mean, you look at it. So, like, the Ravens lead, you know, the league in rushing and, and all this other crap, which is which is amazing. So, let's say, you know, a left guard from the Baltimore Ravens makes the Pro Bowl. Because while well, they're leading, leading the rushing. Well, let me ask you something. When Lamar Jackson's running 40 yards down the field, how much does that left guard really have to do with that running attack? You know what I'm saying? So not to, not to take anything away from that. I don't even know if a left guard made it from the Ravens, but I'm just saying not to take away from that person. But again, when you see day in and day out and week in and week out marking room, Lamar Jackson and so on and so forth, running for massive amounts of yards and everything like that, and then you're a player in this league or you're a coach in this league, making a vote for, you know, what offensive line has been really great. What are you going to look at? You're going to look at the offensive lines that have protected the passers and built a running game. And in Baltimore, they're doing both. They're running the ball and they're throwing the ball really well. 
So whether or not that left guard, that right tackle, whoever really uh, chips into Lamar Jackson's running numbers as much as they're getting credit for, that's hard to say. And I know Greg said that about uh, Ali Marpet. Like, you know, every Bucks fan loves Ali Marpet and thinks he should be a pro bowler. But at the, at the end of the day, even though Jameis Winston's putting up all kinds of touchdown passes and yardage, he's also been sacked almost as much as anybody else in the league. He's also throwing those interceptions. And, and I got like, does a left guard really have a whole lot to do with throwing interceptions? Well, if his if the guy that he's blocking is the one breathing down the quarterback's neck that makes him throw the ball faster off target, then yeah. But out of those, out of all the interceptions James has thrown, how much of those probably were impacted by Ali Marpet? Not as many. But again, you're talking about coaches and players who fill up two thirds of the vote. They're busy preparing for their own games. They're busy game playing their own. Like, how much do you think these coaches and players are really sitting back and evaluating film, or you know what I mean, anything on these guys that they're voting for? And then you have fans, and uh, I mean, fan like a lot of fans are going through. Like there, were, there were a lot of Bucks fans who were angry that you know Chris Godwin wasn't higher up in the fan voting. Well, I mean, I don't like how many Bucks fans were on there every day voting two, three times a day. I don't know. I'm not saying you should have. I'm just saying, were you? If you weren't, that's part of the reason because forty the not the 49ers, uh who was it? The Saints. Kiko Alonso finished in the top ten of linebackers. That tells you that there are Saints fans out there who are literally vote all Saints, refresh. Vote all Saints, refresh. Vote all Saints, refresh. I don't have the time for that kind of stuff. And if Saints fans do, more power to them. Um, if Bucks fans don't, hey, I'm with you. But that's where some of those things happen. So, and, and that all leads people to start saying that you know Pro Bowls aren't the the greatest gauge of talent and ability and, and all this other stuff. And I will say this, that nothing is a maximum gauge or a perfect gauge of talent or any, even the all, even all pro is I would say if there's, if there's any mechanism in sports that is the ultimate gauge of great players, I would argue that could be the hall of fame, but are there not players that are not in the hall of fame that people say should be? Gosh. So even that isn't necessarily perfect. You know what I mean? But I would say the Hall of Fame is probably as close to perfect as you're going to get. But the all-pro teams, I mean, the one that counts, quote-unquote, it's media-based. It's media-based. And I, I will tell you that like one of, the main, one of the main tenets of journalism is you report the news, you don't make the news. The all-pro is literally an AP function. So it's literally the media voting for who's all-pro and then reporting to you who's all-pro. So the people reporting the news literally just made the news they're reporting. So it's it's an interesting little dynamic. I'm not I, I like it. I appreciate it. But, you know, I, what what I don't like about it, and this is going on longer than it should have as well. So in so you guys know that I'm in the military, right? In the military, when you're when you're trying to get promoted to senior enlisted ranks, it's done once a year. Um it's called a decent or it's called a centralized board. Everybody's paperwork, everybody's file, I'll give you the short version. They go to a, a panel, essentially, of people who evaluate you by your paperwork and one photo of you. And that's how they determine how great you are. Um, and then they rank and file you by score. And then the government says, this is how many people you can promote in this job field and of this rank. And they take the list and they cut it where the number is. If you're above the cut line, you're getting promoted on that list. If you're below it, you're not. Every year, the people who make the list get extremely happy. Every year, there are people who don't make the list that talk about how the list is stupid and how the board is stupid, and then they make the list next year or the year after, and then it's the greatest list in the world. And that's the thing I don't – that's the real thing I don't like about this is 
when I see people, not necessarily fans, fans are, you know, it's short for fanatic. You're supposed to be emotional. But when I see guys like Quan, and, and you know I love Quan, when I see someone like Quan tweet at one of his teammates and say, the Pro Bowl's trash, don't worry about it, it doesn't mean anything anyway. Well, I remember when you made your first Pro Bowl, and it wasn't trash then, and it didn't mean nothing then. So why does it mean nothing now? And I really, I just don't like when people like celebrate the accomplishments of people. And just because you didn't get the accomplishment yourself, or just because your buddy didn't get the accomplishment themselves, don't come in here and trash other people's accomplishments because you didn't get them. Because you know something? The same dude, like, if you're tweeting out two minutes after the Pro Bowl roster got announced that the Pro Bowl roster is trash and that you don't even care that you didn't make it because it's trash, bro, you were definitely paying attention to the release of that Pro Bowl roster. So it wasn't trash two minutes ago before it came out. Why is it trash now two minutes later? Because your name's not on it. So I just that's the only thing I don't like seeing is when people try to draw other people's accomplishments down because you didn't reach the same accomplishment. That's the only problem I really have with the Pro Bowl. Um, yes, the, the system is flawed. Like, granted, I will admit that fully. But let's celebrate Chris, celebrate Mike, celebrate Shaq. Uh, I mean, Shaq Barrett's not a starter either. Like, the the leading sack getter in the NFL is not a yeah. starter on the Pro Bowl <clears throat> roster. Got it. Mind I agree that Levante should be in there. I hope Matt gets in there. Levante could get in there as an alternate as well. You know what I mean? Like, you know, nobody put Jameis on that stuff. Jameis got in as an alternate. Jameis uh, could get in as an alternate this year, even with James all the interceptions. In. Yeah. If the Saints or the Seahawks end up in the Super Bowl, it's not going to surprise me one bit if a guy who's in the top two in passing yards and top two in touchdowns in all of the NFL gets named an alternate. Or, I mean, who's, who are the NFC quarterbacks? Drew Brees is one of them, right? Yeah, Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson the is the Brees starter. Who almost had his career ended in the Pro Bowl. Like, what are the chances Drew Brees is actually going to play the Pro Bowl? So if he doesn't play and he bows out, an alternate moves up, even if the Saints aren't in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So right. It, all those things, all those things play into it. So, I mean, this is the initial list. Got it. But I don't, I mean, I don't know of an asterisk system. Like, do you get asterisks put on your pro bowl numbers? If you were an alternate, I don't think you do. I so don't think you day, do. Like history is really not going to remember if you were an alternate or not. <laughs> um, I just, like I said, I don't have a problem with fans. You know what I'm saying? Because that's your job as a fan is that's your job is to be emotional, both positive and negative. Got it. I have a problem when I see professionals, when I see the players who, again, like I remember when Quan made the Pro Bowl and celebrating it and, and all that. Like, so why is it now that Fred Warner didn't get in? Now it's trash. Like, to me, it's just disingenuous and it's not honest. And I just, it, it rubs me the wrong way. All right. Well, David, let's move on. We have one more voicemail. Is that correct? Well, so we do. However, we, we've taken a lot longer than I expected on these. And uh, it's, a, it's a voicemail from Brent down in texas and it's a really fun one and i don't want to rush through it uh so brent we're going to hold your voicemail for a later episode actually james we've been talking about our holiday week uh content i think that voicemail itself could actually turn into a full-blown episode for one of those um so i think we'll save that that's the one with the three players uh, so on and so forth oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. let's save so that we'll for, save for that. holiday week yeah so brent we will get that voicemail in um it's just going to be over the next week, uh, not not this weekend, um, but we will definitely get that in. And so then we can just move to the Apple podcast ratings and we can get out of here. All right. Sounds good. Well, of course, since I'm I'm on my phone, uh, the reading of the iTunes or, or the Apple podcast reviews is on you, good sir. 
Yep. All right. And, and I'll tell you, we'll do a better job of keeping up with these uh, if you guys send them in. Um, I just happened to kind of scroll through them today. So this one was sent on December 10th. So we're a little over a week behind. So sorry about that. From Kanks22, K-A-N-K-S-22. Uh, it says, great duo. It is a five-star review, our favorite kind. Um, and it says, David provides great perspective on our beloved Buccaneers. He is awesome. Okay, I was going to try to make that. Okay, so it says, James and David provide great perspective on our beloved Buccaneers. They're a great team, and this podcast is great because of how their personalities work together. All right. I, I like I that review. And, and you, you know what? I totally bought into that's how that that review started. It would not have surprised me one bit. Our second review came in on Tuesday. Uh, says great podcast as well, and it's from the Flexorcist. So oh, good name! Take that. Uh, it's a five star review, and all it says is worst intro song in the world, which I found hilarious. Oh, that's got to be Matt for Morvin, Georgia. That is one hundred percent. It's, it's at least inspired, Matt. By Matt. I don't know if it is Matt, but it's at least inspired by Matt. 100% that's him. It might be mad if it's you. Let us know. Um, but I will tell you guys, if you don't like the theme song, uh, well, no, actually, we didn't change it until the beginning of the new league year, did we? Didn't we? Yeah, that is correct. It, I say we have to deal with it for another two weeks. Yeah, it will It will change. Uh, in fact, the, the first episode where we will have a new intro song will be when we talk about the first day of free agency, basically. Because that's when the new league year begins. So here, so let's do this. Let's put a number. So I want recommendations for the theme song. Because this show is, oh, wow. is for the listeners, right? So I want the listeners to, to want to listen to the beginning of the show. Let's put a number on this. So we usually change the theme song at the beginning of the new league year. That's how we like to do it. But... Let's make it. Let's make a concession. New year, new theme song, starting January first. Well, our first episode of the new year for 2020. If we get X amount of song recommendations from our listeners, what's the number? Uh, you know what? In, in honor of uh, one of the selected Pro Bowlers. I say we go with 58 for Shaq Bear. No, I'm kidding. Let's go. Let's go. Mike Evans. Lucky number 13. We need 13 song nominations. So I was definitely looking to do a Twitter poll, which, which cannot have 13 options. All right. So we can do Chris Godwin. We can do 12 and you do three, three polls of, of four of the choices and then those three winners in a, in a poll. Wow. So I'm thinking like five. <laughs> Okay, five it is. Glad we <laughs> talked about this. Uh, I just it's December eighteenth as we're recording. I don't think we have time for December Madness theme song with everything else that's happening. Yeah, I, shenanigans. I, I think five because I mean, truth be told, I already have our twenty twenty theme song. Uh, it's actually already picked. Oh, that's cut. That's edited, right. You spliced do. together. Yeah, it's so it's actually already done, but. Because our listeners have have commented quite often this season about the theme song, I, I feel I feel like we we owe it to them to to let them have a voice in picking the next theme song. So basically, early bird gets warm, right? I'd say the first five recommendations to come across either voicemail by adding one of us or both of us to the show on Twitter, DMing uh, the, our Twitter page, 
or sending an email to LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com. The first five we get, we'll throw into the ring and we'll let the people have their say. What do you say? That's fine, but let's, you know, remember, this is a family show. We, we like to be show. able to be played. It's got to be able to be so, clean. Yeah, don't don't send us Marilyn Manson or or Rob Zombie, and I love Rob Zombie. Uh, you know, let, let's let's keep it let's keep it family friendly. Yeah, and the do portion I, of the I, song I get to pick, so that's on me. Do I get to nominate a song? You're not a listener. I listen. You don't count. Neither do I. <laughs> but you know what? Whoever left that review will be happy because this episode. And our next episode this week both have custom uh, intro music. So it's not actually going to be our normal intro music because every once in a while when I have time, I do it. I just have fun with it. And uh, I got sent home today because we got six feet of snow in 24 hours. So everybody got sent home. And so I had time. So I just sat around here and messed with some music and made a custom intro song. If it's not Star Wars, I'm going to be upset. You'll like it. Trust me. All right. Well, with that, David, let's get out of here. Please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Only two weeks left in this contest for our callers. If your voicemail was played on the air, you are entered in for a drawing to win a $100 NFL shop gift card courtesy of your two favorite podcast hosts here at Locked on Bucks. Please follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. And you know what? Since we just finished uh, reading them, drop us an Apple Podcast review, preferably the five star variety. Those are much appreciated. It helps other Buccaneers fans find us when they're searching for some content to listen to hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day and we thank you so much for joining us right here at locked on bucks